four-year run, The Reset, a podcast at the intersection of running and mental health, brought to you by For The Run with our hosts, Sabrina, Blair, and Sean. Each episode aims to bring fresh perspectives about the role mental health plays in running, along with the personal perspectives from our hosts, along with the occasional guests' take on specific topics. Mental health plays a sneaky big role in our desire to get moving, how we interpret upcoming runs, how we judge recent workouts, and certainly how we view our own abilities compared to those around us. We also want to stress to you all that while we're going to have some fun on this podcast and certainly talk a lot about mental health, we are not medical professionals, and these episodes are certainly not intended to replace therapy or any other medical opinions. We simply hope to provide a bit of a reset at times and and how your mind impacts how the rest of you moves through your miles. So without further ado, thanks for bringing us along for your run and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Reset. Today, it is myself, Sean, as you all know, and Sabrina, of course. Hello, Sabrina. Hello, Sean. I'm so happy to be here again. Thank you. I know. I get joy out of every (laughs) single opportunity we have to do these little resets of sorts. They're wonderful. I mean, should we let the people know that we have literally talked for almost an hour already and we spared them of that? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Sabrina and I, um, unsurprisingly, are also our our dear friend Blair, who we do miss today. Yes, we miss you, Blair. Blair is also a never-ending spout of communication, and all three of us Mm -hmm. have shared this wonderful trait together. So (laughs) Sabrina and I talked for just about an hour about every single thing effectively on earth and then we decided we probably should get to this episode so here we are and here we are (laughs) and we spared you all but there were some interesting conversations in there so maybe some will make an appearance throughout (laughs) throughout this episode today well with that being said if you would like to let all of our wonderful listeners know about what today's topic is yes um so i first just want to say Thank you to Mm -hmm. our friend Angela, um, because I feel like today's topic sort of came out of a conversation that she and I had been having not that long ago. Um, She makes such inspirational posts and such has such wide, wise words. And I forget exactly the, the thing that we were touching on, but we were talking about her experiences of running marathons and changing over time and this idea of achievement but specifically connected to both running goals and then just life goals in general and how we connect that to our self-worth and how we see ourselves. So that conversation really got me thinking about a couple of concepts within psych that connect to that because that's why we're here psychology. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one of those things that we're going to touch on today um, is this idea of achievement motivation and this idea of being like having a want for a significant accomplishment, um, having a desire for control, a mastery of skill, a very high standard for yourself. Basically the question that I sort of liken it to is how much do we want to achieve? Right. And ironically, 
um, somebody else named Angela, <laughs> Angela yes. Duckworth. Um, she's a very famous speaker, educator. Um, we actually talk about her quite a lot within the education field. In 2016, she identified this concept called grit. Now, this obviously was a word before she came along, but just right. in the context of doing things and trying to achieve, she really talks about you have a passion or you have a goal. And even if your skill doesn't match that, if you have that passion or that goal, it's possible for you to still succeed, right? And that may sound like a little bit of common sense here, but I think when you break it down, it really looks at how much you work towards that goal, how yeah. hard you want to work, how much do you achieve? And if those things are all there and how motivated you are, yes. it's very possible that that skill will I guess, naturally meet that passion at some point. Yeah. And so when back to our Angela, our friend, Angela, yes. <laughs> back when she was talking about her marathoning journey, it really got me thinking about that in how hard we work and the different stages of life that we put ourselves in. And then how much of that do we connect to what we value about ourselves and how we see ourselves? Um, so we've got a couple of other topics today too, but I'll leave it there for that first one. If yes. you want to talk about how you yeah. kind of saw that, Sean. Yeah. So first off, um, when we got to talk with Angela on the pod, she gave us a very small insight into this window. And I'm very happy that you've been able to talk with her more about it. Um, she referred to a little bit of insight on this as secret marathoning, which was yes. she loves to sometimes have a goal race that um, she'll have something where she might tell people on IG and other people in her life that she's gonna run a marathon. Um, but also in the background, there's this little secret that she has cooking, which is really her kind of like, if the one doesn't go very well, I think I might go to this one and it's going to have less pressure because no one's going to know about it. And it's an opportunity for me to like, maybe, you know, have a bit of a softer approach to that race. And, and ultimately I know something that we'll speak to more in this episode too, is it'll help me maybe feel more relaxed and be able to, you know, toe the line, if you will, with a little bit less of um, a monkey or refrigerator or boulder or mountain on your back of, um, you know, expectations that I think anyone in the IG community would, would, you know, come forth and say, we're not disappointed because you didn't do the thing you wanted. We're just happy you finished, but we all create this like narrative of, oh, I can just see it now. People are going to be so bummed that I didn't do the thing I wanted. And so Angela had floated this secret marathon concept by us, which made me so happy inside of just like, wow, this is such a fun idea of, I do have a goal, but I'm going to, for the most part, really compartmentalize and personalize that goal and see how that helps my training or helps my um, preparedness or how I kind of put things together to get to that day. And um, as with so many things Angela talks about and, and does, um, she has so many wonderful little tidbits of insight and perspective. So yeah, she, she's a fantastic human <laughs> yeah. and uh, I loved that perspective. Yeah. I, I, one of the really interesting things that we 
did talk about related to this idea of achievement motivation is she, her, her comments were about usually like the less that you care about something or, or not care, but like the less that you maybe need that particular goal or the less yeah. that you rank that highly, mm -hmm. like the more likely it is that maybe you're going to achieve that or race even better. So yes. like to that point, you might be, as she mentioned, like running less tense or you're less fearful of failure. Like you're not pressuring yourself as much. So you're not maybe pushing yourself as hard with that pressure that you would normally feel if you had this big goal. And so you're not going to get injured as much. And so you're enjoying the process more. And I can see how the secret marathoning fits into that because yeah. you, you, you have this goal in the back of your head, but maybe it's not the number one. So if you, if you still achieve it in the end, you've still have achieved something. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that that kind of actually links directly to this, another topic. And I'm no, I'm throwing this in there right away, ah, but I feel it. like this is a good spot to do it. Um, another thing that came up for me with this conversation, um, and just talking about achievement in general was this idea of optimum arousal theory. Mm -hmm. So this one sort of looks at motivation in terms of how much motivation or how much pressure is there and how will that make you succeed or not? So right. for example, if there's too much stimulation, this might lead to more stress, maybe more pressure to perform. You might have a terrible performance. So maybe a better like real life example of this is somebody who maybe is playing in their first basketball game, let's say. Yeah. And yeah. they have never played in front of a crowd before. So there's just all this energy. There's all this noise. There's all this cheering. And that alone is putting that extra pressure on. So they end up having a terrible game. Right. Yeah. So there was just too much stimulation there. Mm -hmm. On the flip side of this theory, it says that too little stimulation leads us to be bored or maybe we don't try as hard. So the perfect real life example that I think any teacher can relate to is when kids go on their phones in class. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, there's a lot of reasons for why that might happen, but I think we can look to this as one of those pop possible reasons. The kid is maybe not as interested and or they feel that they already understand the topic. And so in order to stay attentive, they're actually doodling, going on their phone, whatever it is that they're doing. They're actually doing that to try to keep their attention engaged. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, back to this idea of having these race goals, if we are putting too much pressure on ourselves, that's going to lead us to maybe not achieve what we want. But if we're not yeah. giving ourselves enough of a push, then it's also maybe sometimes, okay, yes, that's it. That was not the best, but so it's just this balance and this dance between those two. Yeah. And I, I feel like maybe, um, whenever I read over this, the way I was thinking about it too, was like, you know, the, I can speak and, and I've mentioned this to Sabrina and a few other people, like when I was training for 2019 Chicago marathon, I had run a half. Um, I felt like that race went great. And I started doing a little bit of training for Chicago and, you know, <laughs> one training session is not super indicative of pace or expectation, but I had done a training session and it, it, it went really well. And I had a couple of people post on my, 
my Instagram post. So I posted, Hey, this like training session felt so good. The pace like felt really achievable. And some people were like, man, I think you're going to run like, and I, every person is different. Some people can hook into this thing and it can become the, um, supernova of fire to fuel them <laughs> for some people it can become to this exact point um more of a volcano in terms mm-hmm. of it's going to eat you from the inside out yeah. and some people had commented and just were like oh my goodness like i think you could really not just like sub four chicago but like maybe like a 340 345 and i was like wow I guess you're right. <laughs> and all of the sudden I start going to training plans and looking at like, well, what does training to run a 340 marathon look like? And I'm like, wow, those numbers are mildly intimidating. Mm. Um, especially for someone who's run zero marathons. <laughs> um but look at Molly Seidel. My Molly, she just she just went for it. She right? just went for it. <laughs> but I think that's also if you watch and, and and read and learn a lot about Molly. I think that that only worked because she had been through a lot of this stuff to the point where she was like, I'm going to run that race. However, I'm going to run that race. Absolutely. And, and she got to that place where she took all of the stressors from externals and just said, no, 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 I'm going to do what I'm capable of. And I believe I can do great things. And so I think that Molly is a really great example. I'm not, and don't get me wrong, everybody. I'm not here to say that external pressure is bad. It's Mm. good for some people, but in someone's like Molly's case, I think she often speaks really well to just like, I don't need the outside noise. I just need to believe that if my, if I work my body, fuel my body, recover, um, treat myself well, I think I can do really awesome things. And I just have to believe in myself. And I was putting all of that on myself in my first marathon training, which from my perspective, everyone's different, but from my perspective, a time expectation on the first of any race is for me, a detriment, like Mm. that's not going to, that's not going to jive. And it was jiving, but I was putting too much emphasis on the success of every single run at that point then. And the second that I was too injured or too tired or missed too many runs to get to a place where then I was like, ah, training's gone bad. I feel bad. Everything's bad. Now I'm just going to run it and all I'm going to, I'm going to set aside all the expectations. I remember at that point in time, I had like told autumn and told my mom, told my therapist, even like at this point, any, like, I'm just, I'd be just grateful to finish. And the second that my brain unlocked, mm-hmm. we're not here for time anymore. My tempo runs became lighter and easier. My, I remember flying into Chicago. I remember being in the hotel in Chicago, being on the line and just being like, this is amazing. I'm here. And it was no longer about like, all right, like by the first 5k, I have to have a number. It was just like, no, just going to go run. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that like, I I think that that's kind of like too much 
stimulation can be a detriment. Sure. And then too little stimulation is when you stop caring. When And I think that's yeah. to some extent when you stop believing in yourself. And I think so maybe like the big takeaway for me from what you wrote and what we're talking about is like the self-belief part and the comfort with accepting that that's going to look like whatever it's going to look like just has to be the way it's going to be. Um, that's, I think like for, for me at least is the middle ground. And that's where I'm kind of at in running right now mm-hmm. is like, I, I do now acknowledge I should do strength work. I should recover <laughs> Wait, really? better. Do I, we have it's to do a wild strength? Thing. Not everybody. Stretching, Some strength? people are super, super human, <laughs> but I need to do strength. I need to let my hips be stronger. I need to put protein and carbs in my body. When I'm done with a run, I need to stretch and do those things. And I am to the point now where if I'm doing those things and running and progressing, I have come to grips with that is the best version of myself. And that version of myself right now doesn't have a time on it. And that's where Mm -hmm. I'm at. So it's, I have compartmentalized it to the place where I'm like, I don't really want outside confirmation or expectation. I want internal understanding that as long as I'm doing the things I know I should do, then that's the version of myself I will be the most content with. And that self-belief piece that you talked about is a hundred percent connected to the self-awareness piece. I mean, that's, that's essentially, I think what you're getting at here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, not to put words in your mouth, but I think yeah. the self the self awareness piece is understanding what works for you for a particular time, event, situation, whatever you're going through. And wonderful segue, thank you so much. Of Charm. course, that's what I'm here for <laughs> <laughs> to talk about the last concept. But I want to spend time talking about what you just talked about too with this um, this this idea of incentives, mm-hmm. like this idea of incentives having contribute to your, having the the contribution to your motivation, right? So it's a simple concept, right? Are you, are you motivated by internal things, internal incentives? So things like self-esteem for pride, you know, just accomplishing something for the sake of accomplishing it, or are you more motivated by external incentives? Are you motivated by being famous on Instagram? Are you motivated by (laughs) tokens like medals or money or recognition in a form that people give to you? Either answer is correct. But I think what you mentioned and what you're talking about, the self-awareness is understanding what you need so that you can have that balance. Because if you're trying to do all of those things and get all of those things at the same time, maybe that then makes it too much stimulation for you. And for a time goal that can really be too much for some people personally, numbers to me are such a high motivator, but it puts so much pressure on myself. Like I put so much pressure on myself to get to these certain numbers. And I would say only in the last two years or so, have I really started to try to move away from that a little bit and really get back to just feeling good after a run or trying to make the run fun and run with people more often. And 
you know, either case, again, it's okay to be motivated by whatever. It's more about understanding what's going to work for you for a given time or a given situation. Um, you know, I'm thinking of a friend of mine who is on this run streak and she is, I think, approaching 700 days. Wow. And I know this because I just bought her a 750 day streaker <laughs> sticker that, I, that she already uh -huh. has in her uh -huh. possession. Um, <laughs> Please see for the run to mm -hmm. for all well, of your sticker you. and shirt needs. <laughs> um, but watching her running journey is so inspiring because she has been on such a roller coaster. And yeah. I think from an outsider's view, watching her the last year or so, she's really dug into feeling good about running for running sake. And you should see her times. They're dropping yeah. like yeah. you would not believe she is every almost every race she goes into. She's scoring, if not like an overall top female, she's scoring within her age group, first, second, third. She's all over the place with this. And it's fantastic. Yeah. And I think there's a connection there to her recognizing. Yeah, she might be motivated by that. Those those achievements. But ultimately, she's doing it for herself. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. there's, there's obviously life changes and things can come and go and, and you're going to have different motivations at different time, but the self-awareness piece for what you need at a particular time, that's so important. Absolutely. Um, to piggyback on that too, I'm thinking of two people, one of them, our wonderful friend, Todd. Mr. Nobody Cares Work Harder yet. Hi, Todd. Uh, he's also <laughs> like a good, charismatic, loving human. Um, he always, always is speaking to like, if you're not running because you love it, then what are you doing? And mm -hmm. I don't think he's like trying to say it on that super direct. And to what you said earlier, I'm not trying to put words in Todd's mouth, but I think it's like if you at least are carrying love in your heart for the reason why you're running, then the crash and burn might not be as violent because mm. if mm -hmm. you're stressed about it and you don't hit the goal, then what are, what, what are you falling back on? Mm -hmm. I, and to that point, we've seen professional athletes and just everyday runners sometimes totally fall out of love or give up for a period of time because if it doesn't go your way that day and you don't do the running, do the miles, do the fueling and all that stuff with the passion and care in your heart, it's a really, really, really hard foundation to land on when there's nothing under it. Mm -hmm. um, and then certainly we spoke with Heather on the pod last week. And I was not exaggerating when I said run cup filled when we were done talking with her because she really illuminated that whole thing of it's time it's not it's not start running and in a year some people do this and they're just built to do it but it's not running and then deciding you can run a marathon and be queuing day one it's um it's that if you love it and you trust yourself and you understand what you need from yourself to be the best version of you, 
those things are probably, and I'm not saying, I'm not here to say if your body is your temple, you will a million percent BQ. It's and, and BQ shouldn't be the metric. It's just mm-hmm. that's that's the metric we're in April. It's BQ Boston Marathon season. But if you just allow yourself to do the things that you know are right, um, we have tons of friends who understand that there's a certain number of miles they can run in a week before their body starts to yell at them. It's, it's just understanding that everybody has different thresholds, different points of acceptance. And if you start to try and flirt with those things a little too hard, they're going to come back in a violent way <laughs> and lead to injuries and, and disappointments and questioning and forgetting, forgetting that you're doing it because you love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really came away from just things that Todd says on the regular and talking with Heather. I, I came out of, you know, in the past couple of weeks, Todd's talked a lot about that. Heather spoke really well to those things too, of just, everything is a season. And like Heather last week said something so monumental to me, which is you can't peak forever. Like Mm -hmm. there are ebbs and flows. You're not like you'll get faster and then you'll get slower, but it's because you're going to get faster again. If you're being responsible and eating the right things and letting your body come out of a peak training to recover and then start over. Um, it's very literally seasons of running and it, it, it's, it's a wild thing. Yeah. I'm going to have to write that down and plaster it on my computer because whenever <laughs> I think of peaking, I'm like, why did I have to have one of my best years of running during a pandemic when nobody was live racing uh, yeah. <laughs> and I was only doing virtual races, but honestly, that's, that's what it was for me. I, I think 2020 was like my year of running. I yeah. like, I got a 5k PR virtually. I got a 10k yeah. PR virtually. I did a half marathon virtually, uh, an 8k, like, 15K. Yeah, yeah. like I literally <laughs> like aside from a marathon checked off every other distance possible. And now that, you know, live racing is pretty much fully back. I think about that sometimes and sure. I'm like, Oh, I, have, I feel like I really want to go after those. And but then I have to stop myself and say, it's a season, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had mm-hmm. to come out of that and I did. Yeah. And yeah. now the buildup is back. Um, and it's, you know, when I'm not feeling good about myself, it's frustrating because I look at those times. I'm like, Oh, look at how, look at where I was. But I think sometimes we forget to say like, look at where I could go. Mm-hmm. And as you were talking about our friends, Todd and Heather, I was thinking of one of my um, team sugar runs teammates who recently uh, last month just got a sub 90 half marathon <laughs> and 128. Yeah. I just looked up. I looked up her time. She is outstanding. Yeah. But how long has she been working on that? If yes. you go and look at her post about it, three years. Yeah. And in that time period, Did she get lower times from, you know, whenever she started working on this? Yes. Did she get times that were slower? Yes. Right. So this isn't something that's just going to happen. And I think one of the hardest things about the motivation piece is, first of all, finding it when it's not there, but then also reminding yourself to be consistent 
And when it's not there, that it'll come back again or that it could come back. Right. Like this, you know, a lot of, (laughs) a lot of, I think what we talk about here in terms of the psychology piece is like, Oh, it's so easy. Just do this (laughs) and you'll be right back to where you were, but it's not. And there's so many factors at play. And I think ultimately we just want to share the concept and sort of like how it applies and how we see it. But it's also good to understand the concept as its core so that if we are in these struggle bus times, we, we can pull back and say, okay, well, here's, here's what it says that humans, you know, are doing or have done. And we can pick up some information from that and try to remind ourselves that, yeah, I can do this, right. I can, I can take this knowledge and I can apply it to myself. So, yeah. Yeah. A really, um, unfortunate for the people that it happened to, but funny thing recently, um, there's a new house being built out where I live and it's a weird time of year for Northeast Midwesterners where it was spring on Friday. It was winter yesterday. And it was two of those things today. And now it's Um, mud season and it's mud season. It's definitely (laughs) mud season. Um, and so they were putting rafters up and Oh no. They, the, the crew that was putting them up, uh, put a bunch on the garage and it was ahead of a weekend where we were going to get a pretty good windstorm, and the rafters were up. the 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 crew had left Friday night, and I drove through there. And I am my father's son, in the sense <laughs> that I looked at the roof and I thought they didn't put any two by fours crisscross <laughs> to keep the rafters all reinforced with one another. They're all oh, just no. kind of sitting there. So Sunday morning, I get up. I drive out to go pick some stuff up in town and all of the rafters had collapsed like dominoes. And at that point they're ruined. They're bowed, they're cracked, they're split. They're going to have to get new rafters. And and they did and they fixed it. But it's that thing that I, this is a talk I've been having with myself a lot lately, which is just because stuff now doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean that I take off the foundational pieces. Mm, I mm -hmm. keep those foundational pieces. I still better, better stretch. I still better do two days of legwork. I had still better put the boots on after a long run. I had still better do Mm self-care and I had, I had better continue to do warmups just because to your point, just a few minutes ago, I am to a place now where I'm finishing a run and going, Oh my God, nothing hurts. Mm. What a magic place. (laughs) Um, and an, an earlier version of my running would say, and this is why I'm grateful. I just told Autumn this. I'm grateful that Blair is setting my mileage and my time right now, because I would want to hurry up and get back to 10 mile runs, 11 mile runs, speed work, forget about strength training, forget about the stretch. I have rebuilt my temple. My temple is wonderful. I now need to just log miles, get back to 35, 40 mile weeks, feel good about myself. But that would be removing all of the trusses, all of the support, all of the things that keep the house up. And those things are so important. And so many times we hear people who suddenly get a lot faster and start PRing, but then they 
hit a period of time. I hit that period of time. I had basically two years where I was running subconsciously injured all the time. Everything hurt mm-hmm. after every run. And I just kept saying, well, but it'll get better. Cause if I run more, these things will strengthen more. It'll get better. And it was only getting worse, but it's only through learned failure. Am I now like, I cannot, I cannot forget those pieces. Those pieces are now a part of the house. And just because the roof is on doesn't mean I should take the siding off and the plywood off because the roof is structural. Well, then I'm going to get rained on all the time. Like something bad will happen if I take parts of the house off. (laughs) Um, So when I saw that happen to that house, one, I felt terrible for the people who are building the house. I was like, well, there's a delay. They have to get new trusses. They have to, you know, start some things over. But it was like, if they, if they had just put eight pieces of two by four on crisscross to give that thing some rigidity, this doesn't happen. And that's stretching and warm up. Mm-hmm. Those are like 10%. And they're things that were like three minutes, 10 minutes to stretch. Well, I ran for an hour. I don't have the 10 yeah. minutes. I don't have that yeah. time. And, and then I don't want to get all the things again. And some people yeah. don't, they are superhuman anomalies, but that's, you know, with all of this, like the achievement, the motivation, the accomplishment, the control, like I understand, I believe, I, I don't, I understand and believe that I can, those things are realistic. If I allow myself to like recognize that all of these things are a part of the house and not just the time and the running and the miles, everything Mm -hmm. else has to, has to be there or none of this makes sense. And at the cornerstone of all of it, I have to, this morning I told autumn before that run, I sat in my car for three minutes and had some self-talk of like, I don't feel sore. I get to do this. I'll be happier when I'm doing it. I'll be really happy when I'm done with it. But I have to, I have to give myself these things to continue building this house and understand that that will make the house stronger. I mean, Heather is a 10 year runner. Um, Our friend Brooke is like a 12 year runner, has a thousand plus day run streak. They're none of them BQ'd year two. They built a really good house and that house is still standing and they're Mm -hmm. still doing all the things. I would like to have a bit of a musical interlude now. I promise I'm not going to sing, but (laughs) I would just like to introduce the musical embodiment of exactly what you're saying, which is the song Bones by Maren Morris. Mm. Our, our, our friend Andy also loves Marin Morris. He and yeah. I have had a fan conversation about Marin Morris, but, but in that song, I mean, it's more about like relationships, but to the point of other things are not breaking because there's a foundation there. Yeah. And I, as you're talking, I'm sort of thinking about how my best races have and just best runs in general, just the best daily run, the training runs, whatever come when I have done the foundational work in the days, in the weeks, in the months leading up to it. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I, we joke all the time about strength, but like, I'm <laughs> never do. a better runner unless I'm doing the strength exercises. And right now I feel like I'm struggling a little bit. I've got this sciatica thing that comes and goes and it's better when I do the strength and I'm not doing the strength right, right now. <laughs> so like, Oh, there's your answer, Sabrina. Like, how hard is that? But again, you know, we talk about all this stuff and it's not always easy. And I think, uh, one thing, you know, we, I, I always want to try to leave people with something that they can hold on to and like, well, how do I fix this? Or like, how do I get better at this? And something that comes up a lot when we talk about achievement and motivation is smart goal is a smart goal. And, and I'm sure we've all heard this in some sort of context. Any of you teachers out there will know this precisely what it is. Um, it's an acronym and it stands for specific measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. And I mention this because I think when it comes to our running, if you make a goal to run a marathon, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say 75% of that goal, more than that, is the how do you get to the start line? <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, we, I think oftentimes talk about like the marathon is supposed to be the celebration. It's supposed to be the party, all of your hard work, but I'll speak to this personally. How often do I line up at a marathon and I just feel so much pressure still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of that comes in from maybe I don't think I did enough work. I think we often feel that way. Like, did I do enough? And often the answer is yes. <laughs> but right. I think the smart goal idea helps us get there in smaller chunks. Cause oftentimes we can look at a training plan and as much as sometimes I'm so curious, one thing that my coach does for me is she only releases my plan a week at a time. And sometimes, honestly, Deborah, sometimes it drives me crazy, (laughs) but but (laughs) I know if I ask her what's coming up, she'll tell me. Right. But I don't because that helps me to manage it too. Right. And that's a perfect example of a smart goal. Like you have this week, here's what you need to accomplish in the week. And you can play around with the days. If I tell her, you know what, I need a rest day. Can you move this to tomorrow? She absolutely does it for me, but I understand the larger purpose there because you don't want to overwhelm either. And I think that goes back to this optimum arousal idea is if if it's all there, it's like, hello, like, how am I going to accomplish this? So ultimately I'm saying, thank you, Deborah. I listened to my coach (laughs) (laughs) and thank you, Blair on Sean's behalf. We should listen to our coaches. And if we don't have a run coach, then we should try to apply that on a smaller level, like, so that we're not Mm -hmm. trying to accomplish too much. And in, in too little time too, sometimes. Well, yeah. And that's a really good point because I, I, I know I've, I've said this, I think to you and I tell autumn this all the time. Autumn was there. She knew the first 10 mile run I had for Chicago training. The first time I was going to do 10 miles, um, we were at a relative's house in a different place. I was going to run at a place. I hadn't run it before. This is week six of a 18 week plan. I'm not anywhere. It's late June. Like this is not going to break my Chicago marathon training, but I did not have a coach at that time. I made my own schedule. So I knew that the week after that was a tempo run, a speed work. Uh, after that, I think a 12 mile run and my brain immediately went to, 
if we bonk this 10 mile run, mm. the foundations for the next three effort runs are going to be hard because yeah. I didn't get this work done. And it's to the point where I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep the night before because I was like, I don't know where (laughs) I'm running. I don't know what's going to happen. feel like I fueled poorly. Um, I'm not confident. And if I fail this run, I don't think that I will. This is crazy. I literally was like, I don't think I'll be ready to run Chicago in October. And this is in June. And I'm like, if I miss this 10 mile run, I'm going to be playing catch up for the next 12 weeks. And that, Simply said, I think a lot of us, a lot of people who've run way more marathons than I have, that is not accurate. That 10 mile run, every run isn't a hit. Like every, it's not right. Like this isn't battleship, but you don't have to hit every single time. You've (laughs) got, you've got to be strategic. And to what you were just talking about with strength work and stuff on days where I want to be done two minutes early. Just this past uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I was two minutes away from being done. I could have laid there and stopped my watch two minutes later and been like, that's still 30 minutes. Still feeling good about that. (laughs) But I said to myself, what conversation do I want to be having the next time I I put my foot down to run a Mm -hmm. race? It's that Mm -hmm. exact point that you just made. I will keep inventory. And I will say you shortened all of your strength work because Mm. you just weren't feeling it. And now we have self-doubt because we two minutes here times 50, that's a hundred minutes of work that I gave up on because I wanted to lay on the floor in a sweaty puddle disaster. And (laughs) when you put it like that, Wow. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. And so I had one more set of exercises I wanted to do. And I said, if I don't do this and it was stuff, they were a set of exercises that I know I need. They were hip exercises. They are foundational to my Mm -hmm. body because it's, I, I have to, my, my quads and hamstrings have to do tons of work because I have like four feet legitimately of legs and my hips are asked a lot like that. It's taxing. It's very taxing on them. And I have to be honest about that. So I was like, the next time I put my, my foot on a starting line, I want to know that I did the work. I, I have to know. And it goes back to that whole thing of, if I know that I built my house the right way, then I'm, I'm not going to be as worried when I get mm-hmm. to that line and back to that love thing. I'll know even if the next time I run 26.2, it's not as fast as the first time. I think that I'll be at peace knowing that I at least arrived there in the version of myself that I wanted to. And I I have no idea. I have no idea what that next time will look like, but I, I can at least be confident to say, well, I did everything I needed to do. And to the Heathers and the Brooks and the, all these people out there, like, you know, your friend that just broke 90 on a half, like mm-hmm. the best time isn't the next time every time I, but I know even if the next time isn't my next PR, I think that the foundations are the most important part. And that's 
my focus for whatever is next. I, I have to have foundations and those aren't eight month foundations. Those aren't 12 month. Those aren't two year foundations. Maybe those like, I mean, all, a lot of these people, like you said, three years of work, you know, our friend, Rachel runs PA. I am so stinking excited for her. She's going to run Boston. She's been as long as I've known Rachel, which is now four years, she's just been trying to get to wow. Boston. She had BQ'd seven times and has not gotten there due to cutoffs, oh due to COVID. She gets to do this. She finally yes. unlocked what was missing for her. And it took her that amount of time, even with BQs and missed cuts and all those things. Can you imagine? Like, that's eight plus years of. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. I have to rebuild the puzzle mm-hmm. and just kept doing it. Yeah. So like, uh, there's a lot of people I'm excited for, for Boston, but <laughs> Rachel lives near me. She actually went to the high school, Laurel Highlands. She went to LH that I was talking about earlier. Oh my. Like, so oh, wow. she actually, she's older than me. So we weren't in high school at the same time, but she's like, I, the second I figured out where she grew up, I was like, this is one of my people, like, you know, so the fact that this is happening for her and she's trained and she's put in the work and she gets to do it, that if that isn't an understanding of literally running four marathons is a marathon, like that's years, years of foundational work to get to the place that she's been pushing to get to. And like, I'm, I'm like ready to explode inside for her to be able to do this because I've seen the work, but it's that reminder that those two minutes, even the two minutes here and there can really just be very impactful. Absolutely. And I think another piece of the, like, well, what do I do with this stuff now that I, I kind of examined as we were trying to plan out the topics for today is this, this sentence popped out at me in this little bit of research that I was reading through says a hard to do behavior transforms into a must do habit. And that doesn't come in the first day, but I, it made me think of something that I had a therapist tell me one time was just try something for one minute. Yes. And when that minute's up, try it for another minute. And when right. that minute's up, like you, you can finish at five minutes. You can finish at one minute, right? You can, mm-hmm. if you can, whatever you're doing, let's say you're trying to do strength. Cause yeah. hi, that's me. I'm yeah. trying to do strength. <laughs> <laughs> so I should take my own advice. See, it doesn't always happen, but I should take my own advice, but do the strength for one minute and then see if you can go another minute, do yeah. it for another minute. And if you want to stop after two, that first day, great. Now you've set right. yourself a goal for the next day. And so yeah. Again, not easy to say all this stuff, but these are things Uh, that we probably when we're feeling good about ourselves and when we are the perfect amount of motivation and when we're achieving a goal that's reasonable and not too far stretched out, probably we know these things, but in those times of challenge or struggle, it's not as easy to recognize those. Yeah. Um, And I think one more thing about towing the line and just feeling like you've you know done the work and feeling confident in yourself um it made me think as you were talking of my return to live racing so my first race in the pandemic since the pandemic was last october i ran the half marathon in detroit and unfortunately we didn't get to go into canada 
because that's yeah. one of the highlights of that race. <laughs> but it was still a beautiful race. Had a fantastic weekend with friends there. And I went into that race with zero expectation other than mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to finish. It mm-hmm. was so awesome yeah. to be back in a crowd, racing, start line, playing Eminem, just Mm -hmm. like everything (laughs) about that race. Detroit is a fantastic city. Like it is so great. And about halfway through about mile seven ish, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually like doing pretty good. Like I am Mm -hmm. feeling good also. And the sciatic is not acting up and I'm actually possibly going to negative split this thing. And sure enough, I did. And I, I didn't finish in my best time. I didn't finish in my worst time, but I finished in, in an attitude that I was so proud of. And it was just for the pure enjoyment of it. And that helped me so much with moving forward into my training for I'm doing Chicago this fall, hopefully finally Tokyo next March. And I'm I'm really glad I had that race because when I do have those moments of doubt or moments of frustration, I try to bring that up. I try Mm -hmm. to bring up those memories. They're not that long ago. It's a little bit easier to do than something from many years ago, but I try to remember that because that's the kind of feeling that regardless of what happens, I, I want to be able to hold that one. Yeah. 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 I, I have, um, I ran the Richmond half marathon. Uh, I think it was six weeks after Chicago, mm-hmm. probably a not great decision from a first time <laughs> marathoners perspective, but Run all the races, all the races, <laughs> it was actually the single best. I haven't run a ton of races, but by far the easy, like I look back at what happened on that course and I go, what, who was I that day? Mm. I have no idea who I was that day. It was the greatest run. I felt like Quite literally to, to, uh, paraphrase tenacious D like it's levitation homes. Like I felt like I was just floating. Um, I got to mile nine of that run and I looked down and I did some fast run math. And I was like, not only would the wheels have to fall off, I'd have to like trip and break my nose to not PR. Like I was flying. Like beautiful spot to find yourself in. Uh, And, and I just was like, in that moment, I I came into that race and uh, a friend of ours, Kevin had messaged me the night before and was like, I have a hunch that you're not just going to PR tomorrow. You're going to like really PR. And I was like, I don't know if that's helpful for me right now, Kevin. (laughs) Um, Thanks for the pressure, Kevin. We'll we'll just do what we can do, whatever. And I I went into the run with almost no expectation at all. I just was like, I just ran a marathon. So if I should be able to handle this, Um, Mm -hmm. but the last four miles came with no. um, So comparatively, uh, I'll try to jump here a little bit. Five months after that, I ran the Austin half. That was a race that then I put pressure on myself of. Mm. I had just run Richmond. I ran it this fast. I can certainly be stronger by Austin. Not the case. Um, 
but in Richmond, the last four miles, I was like, you know what? I, th- I actually think, and by no means did I need to get faster. I, I was going to PR. I could have kept the pace I was at, but every mile I'd go, can you go a little faster? And my body would go, uh-huh. Uh, to the point where the like best. the last, I think my last mile was like a 540 something, which is un, I, not, that's not me. Whoa. That's not human. I'm, that's not cow. me. I, that's not me. I'm, I, when but it I tried is you. To, it was well, you. Yes. When I tried to do a mile <laughs> trial, I ran like a 630 and exploded. Like that was like everything my body had. But that day my body was like, whatever, man. Like what I, I was light. I was so light and everything just felt there. Wow. Yeah. And it was like the best feeling in the world. Cause it was, I didn't have expectation. Now I'm standing in Austin five months later thinking 148.25. That's the benchmark I've put in the work. The weeks leading up to that race, I didn't feel great because guess what? No strength work, none of this, no stretching. I was just running and running and running and hurting more and hurting more and hurting Uh. more. And I got to Austin and I also at mile nine of that race asked myself the same question. Do you have any more? And I was so stressed. I had Mm. brought so much with me to that race that the second I asked my body that question, my body slowed down. Mm. My body was like, Oh, not, not only do we not have any more, we're going to penalize you with stress and we're going to be slower. Mm. Um, but right. If that isn't a, a, to me, the, this perfect descriptor of too much stimulation Mm -hmm. versus not, I in Austin was far, far, far too engaged with what I wanted that expectation to be. And in Richmond, I didn't want nothing. I wasn't bored, but I simply said, I just ran a stinking Chicago marathon. I'm going to go have fun and I'm going to let this race be whatever in the hell I want it to be. And then at mile nine, my body was like, this is the one of the greatest feelings our body has ever had. We're just going to go. And every mile, it just gave me more because it was just happy. There was just Mm -hmm. raw joy. And that's not to say that coming into a race with zero expectation will lead to joy. Um, But that day it did. Um, And, you know, uh, I definitely through all of this stuff, I've joked so many times now of like when my body got COVID, it was my body's way of being like, hey, everything has to stop. (laughs) Everything has to stop. Take care of yourself. (laughs) Um, So I gave myself the grace to do that. And now coming out of that, I am understanding that I have to be a pseudo Bob Vila of sorts for everyone in our age bracket. And anyone younger has no clue what I just said, but Bob Vila, right? This or Tim, old the house, tool man, Tim the tool man, like I got to build a house and it's got to be an actual house. And I think if I can do that, then everything's going to line up with wherever my body wants to take it. Mm-hmm. Well, just make sure you have Marin Morris playing in the background for Can the foundation do. song. Can do. <laughs> I mean, you just brought everything full circle to where we started because the conversation that I had with Angela was talking about this point about not that you didn't care that day, but you didn't put so much pressure. Yeah. And there it was. You had this most amazing race. It wasn't that I didn't care when I lined up in Detroit. 
Yeah. It was, I was so freaking happy to be there <laughs> and I just enjoyed it. And, yeah. you know, again, to your point too, you know, you just, to enjoy a race, it doesn't necessarily have to be about joy, right? You can yeah. be working your ass off yeah. <laughs> really yeah. hard and going for a goal and still enjoy mm-hmm. the pain cave, right? You people enjoy Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I am not one of them, <laughs> but some right. people do. Um, but I think to, to just go back to, to Angela's point too, is like you, mm-hmm. if, when you have this less fear of failure, or, you know, you don't have so much pressure, you can enjoy the process more and, and not just the race process, but the process of getting there also. Yeah. Um, so if we learned nothing else today, it's that we should do our strength workout. No, I think it's, <laughs> I, think it's I think it's that we have to build and this is a, a lifelong process, right? Yeah. Just like our running journeys is a lifelong thing. We have to build our self-awareness around these things and it's going to change. There's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days, but keeping that self-awareness, I think helps us to continue working towards whatever it is we're trying to be in terms of our best selves. So hundred percent. And just to speak to our wonderful friend, Angela, like She has, through the last current season of life for her, has been such a wonderful reminder that I think that she's someone that loves running because she loves running. 100%. And through everything else that she's dealt with through seriously just tough times, Seeing that love to stay with it and to keep it and to hold it really, really tightly to her through everything else is has been a very, very positive, wonderful reminder of why it's important to continue to love this and not to put this on a pedestal and try to turn it into... Um, I need to achieve something. It's, Mm -hmm. do you love this? And if you're not in love with this right now, have some conversations with yourself about how you get back to that. And I think that it will be wonderful to see what comes. Mm -hmm. Um, And right. I, I'm going to say the thing that you love to say, because I think that it stands true to this, which is, to love running, I think comes with the thing that is you belong. Mm. If you remember that you belong to the sport, then love the sport. The sport will love you back, but you have to keep that. Otherwise all of this stuff starts to possibly lose its meaning. And then when you don't do what you thought you could, that's going to hurt really bad. So these little foundational pieces of remembering what the sport is and means to you, I think is equally as important as everything else when it comes to the strength and the stretch and the recovery and the sleep and all those things, this like foundational piece of what got you back here or what got you started in running is I think just equally as important. Mm -hmm. And that's different for each person, which is why it makes it such a fantastic community because all of us are so different and we are here for different reasons. And that's what makes it special. 
we share this one thing, which is running, but how we got here, why we stay, why we might leave and maybe come back again, you know, and, and, and the ups and downs, all of it. I mean, that's, that's the best part. I agree fully. And it lets me talk your face off, talk Blair's (laughs) face off, meet tons of people, has led to making fun things, meeting more people, giving back. I mean, Meeting your alter ego in Skokie, Sean King. I know. The the other version of me. It's going to be weird whenever we cross paths. (laughs) I feel like some kind of space-time continuum is going to freak out when that all goes down. It'll either be the start of a new world or or the end of something else. (laughs) It'll be that momentous. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Well... Sabrina, as always, thank you so much for putting this whole topic together. Everything that we've been able to talk about on this has been fantastic. Your insights, perspectives, feedback, all of these things has been vastly appreciated. And it's been so wonderful to hear from other people that this has had an impact. It it truly makes me happy whenever people share this thing or or DM us or DM you. to say that this had an impact. So thank you so much for this. I hope that this was, again, a nice reset for everybody out there when it comes to all of this momentum, remembering why you run, remembering what running is, and and getting ready as we all step into the quote-unquote pain cave of summer training. (laughs) Summer training. Yeah, well, thank Thank you you. for saying that, and thank you, too, again, as always, for giving us the space and the time to do this, and thank you to all of our friends who unknowingly appeared in today's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Especially, Angela, for the conversation that we had. Um, And thank you Sean, as always. Always, 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 always a pleasure. Happy. Everybody running Boston, go get it. Woo! Talk Chase the unicorn. Soon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Until next time, thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening to For Your Run, a podcast brought to you by For the Run. Special thanks goes out to all of our supporters on Patreon, whose contributions and support help us put this all together and get it out into your ears. If you're interested in becoming a member of the For Your Run Pod family, you can learn more at patreon.com slash foryourrun. We hope this has been a pleasant break in your day, and we look forward to you bringing us along for your next run or whatever it is you have going on in your life. Till next time, run with heart, and we'll talk to you soon.